Window of Opportunity, a Stargate Rewatch podcast. I'm Carrie. I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 2, Episode... Crap, hang on, sorry. Did I not change that? <laughs> I think you should leave that in. Don't, don't edit that out. <laughs> oh, no, I did. Okay, I did change. <laughs> today we're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 2, Episode 6, Thor's Chariot. Yay! Thor comes back. He does. I think this is the first time that we're going back somewhere and there's sort of a direct sequel to an episode that's not just that, like, run at the end of series one where there was all just basically one long episode, really. So I like when we get to go back and catch up with people. Yeah, which I like because being someone who is rewatching these and only remembering that I've seen them before halfway through the episode, it's nice that we're finally getting to some of the stuff that you told me is coming. Yay! <laughs> we finally made it to all the stuff we were talking about that happened like a year ago. <laughs> it's happening! It's happening now! Yay! <laughs> okay, so this is Thor's Chariot, the sequel to Thor's Hammer. It originally aired on July 31st, 1998. It was written by Catherine Powers, who did write Thor's Hammer. So they brought her back for this one. And it was directed by William Garrity. In this episode, Jack O'Neill and his team returned to Samaria, where they had previously destroyed the planet's primary defense against the Gould. When the planet is attacked by Heru-Ur, O'Neill and Tilk lead the people in a counter-strike, while Daniel Jackson... Carter and Gerwin search for the power of the fabled Thor's chariot, only to find Thor himself. So this episode, we start uh, in the control room with uh, SG-1 and Hammond standing around the star chart that they have, where Sam is explaining why a particular planet, P5C-629, would be a good location for the Seeker project. Apparently, this planet is in the path that the Gould would have to take to reach our solar system. And using current, like, existing Earth technology, we would be able to detect if a Gould mothership passes by, thus sort of creating some sort of warning system for Earth is basically what I'm guessing is the point of this project that we never hear about again. (laughs) I guess it doesn't turn out to be a very good project. Yeah, no, not so much. I mean, it sounds cool, but yeah, it doesn't really unfortunately go anywhere, at least in canon. When suddenly this chat is interrupted by an incoming traveler, but no one's due back today. And the SGC is also not receiving a GDO code, so the iris stays closed, which there's like a recurring goof in the scene that happens all the time where the tech is able to tell us if they're receiving a GDO code or not before the wormhole is actually established, which I don't think can happen. I think you need the wormhole to be able to receive information. Yeah, that doesn't make sense the other way. Yeah, no. I didn't notice that. Yeah, it happens like all the time, actually. It's kind of one of those really annoying things that you're going to hate that I pointed it out because now you're going to see it every time it happens. (laughs) And it's going to annoy you so much. (laughs) But you can be annoyed with me and we can commiserate together. So. Oh, okay. Misery loves company. Yes. So please be miserable with me. All right. Well, I already have you set up with paying attention to everyone's like special effects makeup. So. Okay. Yeah, this is this is my gift to you now then. Okay. So moments later, there's a thud of something impacting the iris, and then the wormhole shuts down. So what just happened? 
So we cut to, I'm guessing sometime later that day, and Sam is briefing everybody on what happened. And apparently there was no organic matter detected on the iris. So that means like it wasn't a person that went splat against the iris. But there were traces of iridium. And this is the element that was part of the Sagan Institute box that SG-1 gave to the Sumerians to give to Thor and the Asgard. So maybe this receipt of our box back to us is a sim- signal that Thor or the Asgard did get the box and they want to say hi or something. Maybe, and then Jack, maybe. yeah. But then Jack's like, uh, remember how we kind of destroyed the hammer and Daniel ever the optimist that he is, is like, Oh, I'm sure they'll understand once we tell them like Tilk's one of the good guys. Right. Of course they will. Uh, so this whole conversation really does mean that they kind of destroyed the hammer and then they were like, bye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was nice seeing you. Um, we're going to go home now and leave you utterly defenseless. Good luck. Okay. Cool. All right. Bye. But that's yeah. okay. Cause the gold know not to come here. You'll be fine. Yeah. So whatever the situation is, whatever happened, why, why ever the reason this box got sent back to us, we should probably go back to Samaria to see what's going on. So rather than just sending a team through just straight away, Hammond's going to send a probe first, which I think is a good decision, just in case it's not a good thing. And then if the MALP sends back good data, then SG-1 will go ahead and go back and check out the situation. So the probe gets sent through, and well, it's, it's not good. It's kind of the opposite of good right now. There are like dead Sumerians all over the ground and there's a dead Jaffa who does not have Apophis' symbol on his forehead. And the camera continues sort of panning around and we see Garwin from Thor's hammer holding one of the Sumerians like dead in her arms. And she's pleading for help because the Etans have come. And we cut to the opening credits. So, Surprise. hey, guess what? The gold did come back and they figured out that the, the hammer was broken so surprise in the briefing room uh sg1 are trying to convince hammond that they need to go and help the sumerians because hammond's like is it really our 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 problem to you know interfere and sg1's like well it's it's our fault this is happening and i love the conversation that happens where so tilk sort of steps up and goes the destruction of the hammer device to save my life may have caused this if so i am responsible and then jack steps up and says general I gave the order. And then Daniel goes, and I fired the staff at the machine. And Carter goes, and I w- was there. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that. That was funny. Yeah. She's like, and I was there. Sorry. I was there too. Yeah. It so, did surprise me that Hammond would have that attitude of like, is it really our problem? Because yeah. it's somewhere else. Like, yeah. He, his character would definitely, I think, would have gone the other way of like, this is our fault. We need to fix this. Yeah, that, I, I was a little off put, yeah, by Hammond's, do we really need to get involved? Yeah, we need to get involved, obviously. Yeah. So, but SG-1 managed to convince Hammond, so they get the green light to head back to Samaria to help. Question. They know the Gould are there. Why didn't they take, like, five other teams with them or something? Like, why oh my was God. just SG-1? Like, That's why didn't they take entire... the whole SGC with them? That's, like, my entire problem with this episode. Why, 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 why didn't they bring back up if they saw what was over there? Yeah. Or maybe if you want to send SG-1 first to sort of really figure out the situation because the map can only tell you so much. And then 
radio back for, you know, backup. I just like, why was SG-1 on their own dealing with this situation? I don't know. But no, they totally should have at least been, because like the map sees dead people. Yeah. like Dead get, people. That requires backup. Get the SG-3 Marines to yeah. go with you. Get the yeah. Marines. They'll have your back. Yeah. They can do they can do the real hardcore military stuff and you can help the people. Like you need yeah. backup here. Why is there no backup? <laughs> Surprisingly, there isn't a lot that bothers me about this episode. Usually there's some sort of like big old gaping hole of a plot hole. At, like this is it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This, this is this is yeah, this is the plot hole of this episode is why does anyone go by themselves? Because they really shouldn't. So but they do go back by themselves and they arrive back on Samaria and take in, you know, the general destruction that's around the gate. And there are there, there's two issues with this scene. First, did the Samarians move the gate after SG-1 left? Because in Thor's hammer, the gate was like in the middle of the field at like the crossroads out of the village. And now it's on like the edge of a forest. So how, how did the gate move? Because the hammer moved too, because you see the hammer there. And I would think that would, those, those are not easy things to just like pick up and move. I don't, I don't understand why the location of the gate. I'm, I'm trying to imagine like a plausible scenario for the scene at which that would have worked rather than just here's a new shooting location, make it work. Yeah, I got, I got nothing. Like, I mean, maybe it makes sense to move the gate to a more isolated area if they know the hammer's out of commission but they don't seem like the kind of people that have the tools necessary to do that because it, it's like, again, up on like a stone platform and everything's all connected and stuff. So yeah, that, that this is the other little craw in my side with this episode of why, why did the, how did the gate move? And we yeah. should probably compare that to other episodes to see like where we could be like, this is where they actually are. They're on this planet, according <laughs> to the landscape. Ooh, interesting. Maybe they're back on the land of the light, because that gate was yeah. in, like, the middle of the forest. Possibly. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, but then the other question, where's the melp? The melp should be, like, right there. Oh, like, yeah. I always wonder about that, too. The melp always disappears, though. That's another sort of recurring thing. They send the melp, and then they go through, and the melp is not there anywhere. But anyway, Ugh. so. Well, there. maybe by the time. Okay, I'm going to go with by the time. They send people through. They have programmed the map to return. Does the map know how to dial the gate? Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, turn turn the camera on. Daniel's there in the control room going, maneuvering the arm of the map to, like, push the symbols. It's like a giant remote control vehicle. It's like 80s video games. Maybe he loves it. (laughs) (laughs) He's a big Atari fan? Yes. Okay. All right. Sure. Maybe. Meh. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Now um, I'm just picturing like a giant arm on the map, just like pushing, yeah. moving, pushing buttons. <laughs> pushing buttons. No, that was the wrong one. Crap. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, so everybody's looking around. Jack sort of turns and looks in the air that's like behind the gate and there's a giant gould landing pyramid being built. Uh, uh Oh, things are, things are, yeah, things are bad. Things are not good here. So Garen, they should have said we should probably get back up. 
I yeah, exactly. You see that you're still there by the gate. Nobody knows you're there yet. Get your ass to the DHD. Dial Earth. Tell Hammond we need backup. Come on. They've got to have teams on standby for backup. <sighs> anyway. I know, maybe it was some sort of issue where they're like, we can't officially sanction this. So, but Hammond did officially sanction it. So I, I don't know. Yeah, it's just wrong. It's wrong. It is wrong. Very wrong. But then Garen comes out from where she's been hiding and tells them how they thought that the arrival of the Gould ship was Ragnarok. She says there was fire in the heavens, five or six bursts in the sky in a straight line, but no sound. Then we heard an evil thunder and a great metal point came through the clouds. What do you know about Ragnarok, Rachel? Um, only from the Marvel movies. That's all I got. Okay. Would, would you like to know some, some more stuff about Ragnarok? I would love to. Okay. So in Scandinavian mythology, it is the end of the world of gods and men. So both gods and men get destroyed in Ragnarok. The only like full descriptions of the whole of Ragnarok are in two places. The first are is in the Icelandic poem that I'm going to butcher the name of because it's Icelandic. I don't know how to speak Icelandic. But I'm going to do my best and say Voluspa which translates to Sybil, Sybil's prophecy from the late 10th century. And then in the prose Edda of Snorri Sturluson from the 13th century, there's another telling of the Ragnarok story. So according to these two sources, Ragnarok will happen in such a manner. It will be preceded by cruel winters and moral chaos. Giants and demons from all over will come to battle the gods who will face death like heroes. The sun will be darkened, the stars will vanish, and the earth will sink into the sea. Afterward, the earth will rise again with the innocent Baldur, who is the son of Odin and Frigg, will return from the dead, and the hosts of the just will live in a hall roofed with gold. Uh, there's a few other sources that talk about bits and pieces of Ragnarok that do differ some in the details with some sources saying that two humans, Lif and Lifthracer, who are life and vitality, will emerge from the world tree, which was not destroyed during Ragnarok, and repeople the earth. There, there's, there's a little brief, brief summary of Ragnarok for you. So this is kind of fitting. Yeah. I mean, chaos, you know, from the sky and everything. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's not probably a bad assumption to make on their part, given what they have been taught and what they know. True, yeah. So Garen also tells them that Kendra gave her the box and told her to send it through the gate. And unfortunately, the men who died, who took on the mission to send the box back, were her husband and his brothers. Mm, yeah. That was sad. That was very sad. Yeah. So the group are then attacked by two Jaffa, who are probably just like out on patrol, one of whom starts blowing a warning horn of some kind. So Sam and Daniel take Garwin into cover while Jack and Tilk start firing back. Jack eventually just lobs a grenade at them and they get blown up. So they take off into the woods as more Jaffa come chasing after them and like trees are getting blown up and staff weapons are being fired everywhere. And we eventually reach a clearing and we get that sort of, I don't know if it's really a cliche, but that sort of tropey shot where the camera's in one place and we see our heroes run past the camera and then the bad guys run in and the camera pans around to follow them and suddenly our good guys are gone. Where did they go? Nobody knows. <gasps> uh, 
So the Jaffa kind of split up to continue searching for Jack and Tilk, and then the camera pans, and we see Jack and Tilk hiding behind a large tree trunk. So they managed. They're so stealthy. They are. So Garwin is now leading Sam and Daniel through the woods when they hear, like, footsteps up ahead. So they sort of take cover and draw their weapons, including Garwin with her really awesome sword. Then she leaps out as the footsteps get closer, and it uh, it's just Jack. It's just Jack and Tilk. So they're fine. Everybody's fine. So now what? And Daniel's like, maybe Kendra can help. You know, being a former ghoul and everything might be helpful to see if she has anything to offer in terms of mm-hmm. assistance or knowledge. And mm-hmm. Garen's like, of course, yeah, well, I'll take you right to her. Well, to her grave, because Kendra was unfortunately killed in the attack. So she is no longer with us. Um, also sad. Yes. And like sitting around her grave are some items that were important to Kendra in sort of uh, accordance with their burial traditions on that planet, including a bunch of the ghoul technology that she had. And Sam just reaches out and starts putting on the hand device for, like, no reason. That There's no reason for her to actually, like, put it on. But, interesting thing, it starts to glow and, like, work. So, what, 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 that's, that's impressive. What's that about? And Daniel's like, well, if you think about it, it makes sense. Because Kendra could still use the ghoul technology, even though the ghoul inside her was dead. And basically the same thing happened to Sam with Jolinar. So, Sam can use gold technology. Yay! Which is really cool and very interesting plot device. But she, like, has no control over it yet. She, like, blows a big hole in the ground when she tries to use the hand device. So, she's going to keep practicing. And so, they gather that stuff up and go to join the rest of Garwin's people who are in hiding from the gold that is there. I think that scene is a little bit weird. Because, number one, why would she put this stuff on? If she didn't think, hey, maybe I could use this. Because for that sort of thing, she looks really, really shocked at the fact that it actually does work. And then is like, why is this mysteriously working? Well. Yeah, I'm like. I thought that scene was just very unintuitive. Yeah, and we've seen in previous episodes, like, there's still. Sam still has some of, like, Jolinar's memories and, like, knowledge in her. So, I mean, it could have been just, like, a couple sentences of, like, I heard Jolinar's voice tell me to I could use it, you know, something to kind of explain it. But, yeah, there was – I could see her wanting to pick it up and take it with them so the ghoul couldn't get it and have more bad stuff. But, yeah, the putting it on and actually trying to use it is, like, there's we, – we have no reason for her decision to do that. Well, it's it, it wasn't so much that. It was that she, like, puts it on – and then is really shocked when it works. Like, yeah. why, did you just want to see if it fit? I don't. Yeah, did, did you think it was pretty? Like, do you need some new jewelry? Like, I don't what? know why you tried it on in the first place if you didn't think, like, huh, maybe it would work. And, like, but, I, I don't know. It, it seemed very, it seemed like such an odd, unintuitive reaction to the moment. Yeah. But that's where we are. Sam can use it, so they take it. So... But I think that I think that gets a little plus and good for us column mm-hmm. of things that are happening right now. So we'll go mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. So so they get to the cave where the rest of the Sumerians are hiding and they really are not like super happy to see SG one since, you know, the whole destroying the hammer thing and everything that's happening now is their fault. So Garwin like jumps to their defense and say that they're here to help. 
And Tilkvaus just say four of them. Yeah, the four. I'd be like, where are the rest of you? Would be my first question. Yeah. How many people are on your planet? <laughs> yeah, you, you send us four. Okay, thanks. Mm-hmm. Um, so Tilk vows to stay until the ghouls are driven from this land, but they kind of need help with like some intel first to really understand what's happening. So one of the men, Olaf, volunteers to lead Jack and Tilk through the forest since he apparently is intimate with the patrols of the Jaffa and he can sneak them around where they need to go. So off they go to do the intel thing. And so back in the cave, Gerwin is lamenting that perhaps Olaf is right, but if only they could find the Hall of Thor's might. And Daniel's like, I'm sorry, the what? what Please tell me more. The, 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 who, the, the what? what? Mm-hmm. Uh, so apparently the Hall of Thor's might is a legend on Samaria of a place where Thor placed all of his powers to help defend them. And Daniel's like, so maybe this is like a weapons cache of some kind? Because that'd be real helpful right now. So back in the woods, Olaf has led Jack and Tilk to the Gould base camp where there are three landing pyramids being built. So not just one. We have three Gould motherships on the way, which is just super awesome. And why why do you think there would be that many? Is it just like a really strategic place, you think? I don't know. I think maybe it's because this planet was protected for so long and Gould would just disappear when they went here and now suddenly it appears to not be protected. They probably want to like really get in there and be like, what's going on? This is ours now. And just really make sure they're the ones who are now in control of this planet. So mm-hmm. send of everybody. The whole, of the whole 20 people that are left. Yeah. <laughs> um, so these Jaffa also have different heads, sort of like a hawk. And so Tilk says these are the Jaffa of Heru-ur, who was the son of Ra and Hathor. And apparently Heru-ur is much feared, even among the ghouls. What do you know about Heru-ur? Uh, he's the son of Ra and Hathor. <laughs> yes. And he is much to be feared. <laughs> would you like to know some more? I would. Okay. Uh <laughs> So Herur is also known as Horus the Elder, which is why often his Jaffa are referred to as Horus Jaffa. That was another one of his names. And he's one of the oldest gods of ancient Egypt. He was a sky god who was often depicted as having the face of the sun. But like many gods, he was eventually sort of absorbed and combined with several other gods, including Nekeni of the Nekenite who is a hawk god, and were, W-E-R, were or were, uh, a god of light known as the Great One, whose eyes were the sun and the moon. And so he eventually became the patron of Nekin, or Heracanpolis, and later the patron god of the pharaohs. Nekin was a powerful city in the pre-dynastic period and an early capital of Upper Egypt. By the Old Kingdom, he was simply referred to as Horus and had become the first national god and the patron of the pharaoh. In later depictions, he has the face of a hawk with his right eye as the sun and his left eye as the moon and was also a known enemy of Seth. Ooh, a known enemy of Seth. Yes. They apparently had had much disagreement between them. So. Oh, my. I wonder what about. Perhaps we shall get to that when we get to the episode about Seth. Ah, what? Yes. More things coming. Yes. Excitement. Yes. So 
during this period, um, like Jack and Tilk have sort of crept away from Olaf a little bit to get a little closer look at the camp. And they suddenly hear like shouting behind them. And Olaf has been discovered by a group of Jaffa and Herwer himself. So uh, fun fact, first, cross off Douglas Arthurs off of your Vancouver actors bingo list. Uh, he's he's the guy who plays Herwer. Uh, double points if you had him down twice because he previously appeared in the Serpent's Lair as one of Apophis's Jaffa, Call. Oh, that's kind of funny. Yeah, so he he was a Jaffa and now he is a god himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what's interesting about this episode though is, mm-hmm. unless I like just missed it because that's entirely possible, they don't ever specifically, you know, blatantly tell you like, aha, this is he. You know, they just kind of make this one character like more intimidating than the others so well he's also in the gold armor yeah if you look so like apophis had the gold armor like it was the same armor as his jaffa but his was gold and the jaffa are like in silver or whatever yeah so. i mean yeah so they do make him look more like fancy and intimidating but they never ever be like oh yes this is him yeah that's true tilk is just like these are the jaffa of Herur. Mm-hmm. isn't and is never like that's Herur. Yeah, that's true. I didn't really notice that. But yeah, that that, that would be true. Yes. Yeah. So, okay. Fun fact for you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Herwer is attempting to basically gain information about SG-1 from Olaf, but Olaf is not afraid. Thor is his god and has taught him not to be afraid of death. And Herwer is like, but what about pain? Which I, th- he's got a real good point there. It's like, I mean, death is one thing, but pain is a mm. whole other thing. It's a um, whole Princess Bride level. A real, yes, to the pain, not to the death. So Herwer starts using the hand device on him, and Jack and Tilk start firing at the Jaffa. All of the Jaffa fall, and Herwer activates his personal shield. So this is apparently a thing now all the Jaffa have when previously when Apophis used it, Tilk was like, what's this new thing? So apparently that has now descended through all of the Gould as new technology. It went out in the newsletter. They were like, hey, get this cool (laughs) new thing. They were like, we can get a bulk discount. Everybody get one. (laughs) What do you think would be the name of of a Gould newsletter? What, 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 would that, what would that be called? Uh, go, go, Gould. <laughs> the Gould Guide. The weekly Gould Guide. The Gould Guide to Fabulous. <laughs> the Gould Guide to Suppressing Populations. Yes. <laughs> or conquering Populations. <laughs> Something. <laughs> um, so anyway. I'll tell you, you know, what planets were conquered this week. Oh. You know, who was beheaded, who betrayed us, you know, Apophis got a new wife. Yes, Taco Tuesday. Oh, always have Taco Tuesday. Always yes. Taco Tuesday. I mean, it's a fabulous newsletter. Okay. Maybe I'll have to put something together. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so all the Jafar are dead, and Jack and Till could grab Olaf to, like, help him up, and they can run away, and Herwer starts to reach for a staff weapon that one of the, the Jaffa dropped when they were killed, but Tilk shoots his staff weapon at that staff weapon, and then he and Herwer have this very intense stare down before they finally, like, run away back to the people in the cave. It almost seemed like Tilk was, like, recognizing him from somewhere. 
I mean, I'm sure kind of what is kind of what his expression said more than like an intimidating stare type of thing, but I couldn't figure it out. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure Apophis and Hera were probably met in battle before, so it wouldn't surprise me if they've met. So back at the cave, Daniel comes running over as everybody returns and he asks if they ran into Apophis. Question. At this point, they believe Apophis is dead. What the fuck is Daniel talking about? Ooh, what? Yes, I that's mean, true. And they saw on the Jaffa, the symbol was not Apophis's symbol. As far as they know, Apophis is dead. Why is Daniel's question, did you run into Apophis, not did you run into the Gould? Ooh, ooh that's a good, 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 good call. Yeah, I was very confused by the name checking of Apophis in this because they shouldn't be. As far as they know, he's dead. Mm, yep, it's true. So I yeah, think that's a big old mess up. Yeah. Who wrote and this like, episode? Uh, the the woman who wrote Thor's hammer. Catherine, <laughs> pa- Catherine, Catherine Powers. Yes. Catherine did Powers. They te- did they tell her that Apophis was dead by the time she wrote this one? I I mean, I would hope she would know what happened in the first episode of season two. Well, apparently I mean, she hasn't episode. been watching her own show. Apparently not. Ah. <sighs> But anyway, no, Daniel, it's not Apophis. It's actually Harrower. And Daniel's like, really, Harrower? He's like, that's cool. And <laughs> it's like, no, no bring it, just bring it down. Just bring it down a little bit, Daniel. You're a little too excited about it being Harrower. So good news first. Jack seems to think if they can get enough artillery, they can take out the, like the platforms in the camp and everything. Bad news. They know we're here and the gate's now heavily guarded. So... Not going to get their artillery and also can't even, like, evacuate the Sumerians. Also, <sighs> probably would have been a good idea to bring backup. Yes, again, where's the backup? <laughs> and then we get one of my favorite Tilkisms in this little exchange. Uh, because Daniel goes, well, I guess we'll just have to hold up in here for a while until things calm down. And Tilk goes, things will not calm down, Daniel Jackson. They will, in fact, calm up. <laughs> I'm like, only Tilk. It's so good. And it makes so much sense. It does. So the situation that we're in is this. So the pyramids are being built that are landing platforms for the motherships who will arrive with more more weaponry. Why can I never say that? More weaponry. That three times fast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. More weaponry, more weaponry, more weaponry. There we go. There you go. Uh, And a whole bunch of death gliders. And Sam's like, well, could we blow it up with the C4 that we have? And Jack's like, yeah, but then we won't have anything once the the actual motherships get here. And so Daniel then brings up Thor's might, which Jack tries to brush off as just another myth before Sam's like, well, we kind of thought the same thing about Thor's hammer and turns out that was true. So maybe this is true, too. So, okay, Sam and Daniel are going to go with Garwin to find the hall, while Jack, Tilk, and Olaf go to lay down some explosives to try and slow things down. And now, thanks to Frozen, I cannot hear the name Olaf without thinking about a cute little snowman. So I was just going to say the same thing! <laughs> oh, but th- th- this Which... Olaf is not a cute little snowman, so... No, but it makes the episode so much more fun, doesn't it? <laughs> just imagine him as Snowman Olaf... Yes. <laughs> Just seeing the gold, like, oh, look. 
<laughs> Ascension snowman. How adorable. <laughs> so, oh, you know what? Yeah. Okay. What? I just thought of this right now. This is just off the top of my head. This is just rolling, just happening. Okay. Give it to me. Give it to me. Am I missing where they actually visit any Arctic planets or no? Um, that's not Vancouver's landscape. I no, no. They're all foresty, right? They don't really yeah. visit anything that's like a different climate or no. and or Arctic or frigid. The one time they think they do, they're actually in Antarctica on Earth. So, yeah. um, I mean, not that I can remember off the top of my head, but I don't think so. I mean, maybe there's like some snow in some places, but yeah, nothing that's like real, like Arctic tundra type climate. So, but I mean, that kind of makes sense because I don't think the Gould would put a Stargate on a planet that wouldn't be conducive to supporting life because that's the whole point of the Stargates to them is to uh, create slaves everywhere they go for which you need a good climate so people can actually live and not die. They're like vacation spots, right? Yeah. Yeah. Resort type areas. Yes. Right. Yes. Yes. Beachy so. sand type places. Wait. Yeah. No. Perfectly uh, a temperate climate with lots of forests and trees. Yes. <laughs> we call them trees. We call them trees. So do we. <laughs> so speaking of trees, uh, Gerwin has led Sam and Daniel to a monument in the woods that looks similar to like Thor's hammer, but not exactly. And she's like, here it is. And Sam and Daniel are like, um, what? Where? Where's the hall? You said it was a hall, right? This is just a monument. Why why are we here? And so, well, maybe it's like a transportation thing like the hammer was. This is just sort of a transportation point. So uh, as Daniel likes to do, uh, he reaches up and touches the stone. And Garen's like, no, don't touch it. But Daniel touches things. That's what he does. And it is a little transportation thingy. And they get zapped away. They then appear in a completely darkened room. And apparently Daniel thinks the whole transportation thing was like really cool and then immediately blinds himself by turning on his flashlight while it's pointed directly at his face. <laughs> it's like, come on, you know how a flashlight works, Daniel. Come on. But it's still funny. It is funny. So there's no immediate sign. Like it just looked like a big empty room. They're like, they can't really see anything. And then Sam finally spots another monument looking thing like up against the wall and uh, the stone that's in that one starts to glow and Thor appears well like the hologram Viking who says he is Thor appears and he says only the worthy may witness Thor's might before disappearing and Gerwin is distraught that Thor has forsaken her and Sam and Daniel reassure her that like that wasn't the real Thor just like a message that was left by him and they're like okay so we guess we have to prove we're worthy before we're given access to Thor's might, which, you know, makes sense. You mm-hmm. don't want just anybody wandering in there and getting whatever Thor's might is. You do and not. No. And suddenly the halls start shaking and a large chunk of the floor just falls away, leaving a very thin beam between them on one side of the room and the monument on the other. So, yeah, one, this is definitely a test. And two, has Daniel mentioned that he's afraid of heights? Would you run across and uh, yeah, would you run across it or would you just be like, nope, sorry. 
That's I cool. Mean, I'm good, Thor. I wouldn't run across it. I, but if this is what I had to do, I would like, you know, what Sam does, you know, arms out, get your balance, keep your eyes straight ahead. Don't look down and just go. Just crawl on over. Yeah. Yeah. So we then get a quick cut back to Jack, Tilk, and Olaf, who are laying out some explosives in the woods. Would you like some fun facts about these explosives? Would I ever? Okay. So apparently these are M18A1 Claymore mines. And when one of these bad guys goes off, one and a half pounds of a shaped C4 charge sends out 700 steel balls at over three times the speed of sound. The balls are set to disperse at a 60 degree like spread from the mine. And so basically anything within about 150 feet in front of the Claymore will be like, just like torn to shreds. So yeah, these are very bad, bad boys. They, they, They will cause much damage. So, not a yeah. good stocking stuffer. No, un- no. Unless, no. I was going to say unless, but no, there is no unless for that. <laughs> just no. No, just no. So back in the Cave of Wonders, Sam heads across the beam first. <laughs> <laughs> I, ha- I had to. It's the <laughs> so Sam heads across the beam first and she gets across fine, slow but fine. Uh, then Garen goes next and about halfway across the ground shakes again and Garen like falls face down on the beam and she's still on there but is now like quite frightened and is like I can't do this and Sam's like just crawl like stay down and like crawl to me and Sam is like finally then okay I'm gonna go help and Daniel's like no don't Sam you're already across stay there I'll go and help so he makes his way out onto the beam and goes to help Garen stand up and as she goes to push up like with her hands a sort of small piece of rock crumbles from underneath her hand and she and Daniel go tumbling over the side of the beam and Sam looks on in horror as Daniel and Garwin are are just laying on the floor totally fine yeah they just as they don't go anywhere they don't go anywhere surprise so Thor appears again and says you have shown true selflessness and bravery willingness to sacrifice oneself to save another is an honorable trait I salute you now you must add wisdom to courage solve the riddle of the runes and I will show you my true might and Daniel is very confused about how Thor knew what they did he's like what how did he know we did that he's like well apparently sensors is basically the answer to everything really And they are then enveloped in another beam of light and transported to another room where the riddle of the runes awaits them. So back in the forest, there's more explosives being put in place when Olaf warns them of a coming Jaffa patrol. Jack and Tilk go to take cover and Olaf is like, why are you hiding? He's like appalled and aghast that they're just like ducking behind trees. Like you said we would fight. And Jack like pulls him and is like, just wait a minute, Olaf. Okay, just wait. So they're hiding. <laughs> so they're hiding, and as the Jaffa come up the path, Jack blows the explosives, killing or injuring um, pretty much all of the Jaffa that are there. Jack and Tilk then run out from their cover and start to fire at the rest of the Jaffa that are coming up behind those guys. And then once all of them are down, Olaf comes out and is like completely amazed at their like guns and the staff weapon and everything, and. Uh, 
Jack and Tilk have like turned their backs to the, you know, dead Jaffa patrol and Olaf is facing them and he suddenly goes, hi, and like hurls his axe and gets another Jaffa like right in the chest to like take him out. So, I mean, that, I mean, that, that was pretty cool of him. I was like, all right, Olaf, Olaf got skills. Yeah. 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 So the Jaffa alarm horn thing is sounded again and Tilk's like, okay, we got to go. So they take off and Olaf just like leaves his axe in the dead Jaffa. I'm like, why? go get your axe, dude. And that was another little thing. I'm like, why, why didn't Olaf go get his axe? Cause the dude's yeah. dead. You might need it to kill more Jaffa. Yeah. Yeah. You think you'd be in the habit of doing that. Yeah. You throw it, you kill it and you go get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> throw, kill, get. Kill, get. Yeah. Totally fine. <laughs> So back in the cave, Sam seems very impatient that they have to go through all this trouble just to get to whatever Thor's might is. And Daniel's like, well, whatever this is was never really meant to be some sort of like using case of emergency thing. Like Samaria is supposed to be a protected planet. They never really thought whatever is here would have to be used like, oh, my God, get to this now kind of thing. <laughs> so, Which is yeah. very true and very good to yeah. point out. Yeah. And, you know, really, Thor just wants to make sure that whoever does get access to it is smart enough to understand it and use it appropriately. And so it's going to take some time, but it will be worth it in the end, they hope. So Daniel starts talking Sam and Garwin through the runes and gets to that, you know, runes aren't really letters or words. They're just ideas. And the first rune represents Thor's protective power. The last one represents Thor's chariot, perhaps a spaceship of some kind. Um, of the others, one is fate and the other is movement. So those those are the runes we're dealing with. All things that actually still fit. Yes. And then we just get a really quick cut back to the guys in the forest who are still running from the Jaffa who are chasing them. And... In the cave, along with the runes on one wall, on another wall, there's a series of geometric shapes. There's a triangle, a pentagon, a circle, and a square, which Daniel's like, these aren't runes. Why are they here? And on another wall, there's just various, like, symbols and pictographs, almost looking like some kind of graffiti, which, again, not runes. So, again, confuses Daniel. And Daniel's like, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what he wants us to do. So the hologram of Thor appears again and says that there's no shame in not going and perhaps in time. And then Daniel like rushes over and manages to like pause it so he can have more time. This is to funny. I'm like, this thing has a pause button. Okay. Yeah, that should have been a little, a little hint that they were like, mm, yeah. something's going on. Yeah. So he starts doing his sort of Daniel thinking out loud rambling thing and eventually gets to the fact that years later after runes were sort of created, they did come to represent letters and numbers. And these are the numbers 13, 14, 15, and nine, which goof, according to the internet. And I looked it up myself to verify it. The numbers of those runes, like the numbers that those runes represent are actually 13, 14, 19 and five. So, uh -oh. Somebody, somebody goofed a little bit. Uh -oh. so, yes. Somebody put the wrong rune on the wall and they just went with it. Yep. So, but Daniel says 13, 14, 15, and 9. And Daniel's Wait, like... 13, not 3? Sorry, yeah. So, 3, okay. 14, 15, and 9. And Daniel's like, those numbers don't make any sense. Which, like, really, Daniel? Really? 
like eh. but sam's like oh, yes, no it do. would take it would take the mathematician to kind of i guess but here. like again as sam says like it's pi 3.14159 it's pi and daniel's like oh pi so he like turns to thor and is like is pi that's what you wanted to figure out pi and he's like well no pi is just like an earth thing so how do we have how can we tell him that we know this is pi and so Sam goes, pi is used to find the circumference of a circle by measuring the radius, which which it's not. That's not what pi is. Pi, <laughs> pi is the ratio of the circumference to the diameter. There is the whole pi r squared is the formula for the area of a circle, but that's, again, not what Sam is saying. Sam, whoever wrote Sam's dialogue, like, did not look into pi at all, which is like you Google pi and that's like the first thing, so... I mean, that's kind of annoying, but anyway, okay, so how do we show Thor the radius of a circle? Oh, hey, there's those shapes on the wall over there, and turns out, like, the inside of them is, like, sand, so Daniel draws a line in the circle from, like, the center of the circle out to the edge, and so the sand, like, falls away, revealing a redstone with a gold image of, like, Thor's hammer on it, and Daniel touches it because that's what he does. And the image of like the Viking Thor sort of wavers and fades away and finally resolves into the image of a little gray alien. And this is the real Thor. Oh my God, what? I'm kind of disappointed that like the other whole pictograph didn't mean anything though. Did that ever turn out to like make sense? Um, I mean, maybe if you pause it and examine it closely enough, like I did see there was like a circle with sort of like a cross through it to sort of show there's like four radius. I don't know. Maybe. But maybe that was like other people just doodling things trying to figure it out. Yeah, it's just been, yeah, doodles from other people trying to figure things out. So Hmm. but no, it did not. It did not come into play here. So back at the other cave with the Sumerians, uh, they've been discovered. The Jaffa know where this cave is and where everybody's hiding. And Jack tells everyone to get, like, as far back into the cave as possible and, like, put out the fires. And, like, they really need Daniel to come through, like, ASAP because they are in very serious trouble now. Back in the hall, Sam and Daniel think this Thor is a hologram like the other Thor was. But surprise, it's not. This is actual Real-time transmission from Thor aboard his ship, the Ballistner. I so, did like that reveal, because they yeah. said he said something like, I am the real Thor. And they were like, that's great, that's a recording. He's like, no. Yeah, like, Garen goes to, like, say something, and Sam's like, that's not really Thor. It's just a recording. And then he's like, no, I'm really here. Hi. <laughs> yeah. So. This uh, is a live broadcast. Okay, I have a not fun fact like fun fact but not fun fact because people will probably be yelling at like their their phones as they listen to this if i don't bring it up oh Uh, so this is kind of like a meh fact well no it's it's i know what everybody out there is thinking and i'm going to correct you very shortly so fun with a question mark fact (laughs) possibly so in other episodes the voice of thor is provided by michael shanks but not in this episode. In this episode, the voice of Thor, the little gray alien Thor, is provided by Mark Gibbon, who is the actor who was like the Viking hologram Thor. Yeah. But everybody thinks like Michael Shanks started it in this episode. He did not. He did not start voicing Thor until the episode Fair Game. So. Until Michael Gibbon was unavailable. I, I like, guess. Meh. 
or it was just, you know, just a voiceover. And since, you know, his voice was modulated anyway, they, I get, they just got Michael Shanks to do it. So I would qualify that as a fun fact. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Fun question mark fact. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So the other fun fact, would you like to know more about the Beliskner? I would love to know actual fun exclamation point facts. Okay. So the actual name of Thor's Hall is Biskirner. So right, B- try it again. This is what now? Biskirner. It's Biskirner. B-I-L-S-K-I-R-N-I-R. Biskirner. I can see why they changed it to Biskirner for the show because that's very difficult to pronounce so but that is the the name of Thor's Hall in Scandinavian mythology and he lives there with his wife Sif and their children and it is supposedly the greatest of all buildings in Asgard and contains 540 rooms rooms or rooms rooms r-r-o-o-m-s rooms why why do they do they have 500 children I don't know but yeah that is like 578 too many rooms. Even though there's only 540? Yeah. You want a house with negative rooms? <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? That'd be fun. There would be sub-level rooms. <laughs> so is, is, so is... Negative uh, rooms uh, equals positive rooms in this case. Is a subterranean basement a negative room then? <laughs> yes, I'm qualifying that as such. Okay, great. Just so I guess we need to let all the real estate people out there know basements are negative rooms. <laughs> I have seen cool things where like places that are built into mountains that go, you know, below level, they will go negative levels. So, okay. <laughs> so this is the real Thor. This is great. So, um, Thor! Yay! Oh my god. So happy to meet you. Um we kind of messed up and like really need your help. And Sam try kind of tries to get Daniel to like not really tell Thor everything. And Daniel's like, we kind of need to tell them the truth if truth if we want them to help us. So uh, Daniel does, tells them about the whole destroying Thor's hammer thing because of Tilk and everything. And he's like, so where's the weapons? And well, turns out Thor's might isn't, and there, there's, there's no weapons. The test was just to see if the people of Samaria were advanced enough to be able to see Thor in his true form. And they did not take into consideration any outside interference, and then Thor disappears. And they're like, wait, what? And then they're all, again, enveloped in a bright light and reappear back in the forest in front of the first monument. Well, Sam and Daniel appear there. Garwin is not with them. So where, where, where did Garwin go? That's kind of... I would be very interested to know just like why this planet is so special. Where they were like, we really were excited about having this civilization evolve far enough to see us in our true form as we are. With any, without any outside influences or forces. Yeah, I... Kind of made me feel it. Because Thor was so, you know, bothered by the fact that, like, other people helped them. Like, what? I would really want to, like, I'm not mad. I just want to know, why are these people so special to you? Yeah. I don't know if it's necessarily these people did something for that. It's just that they were able to negotiate with the ghoul to like leave them alone or something. 
And I mean, it could have been any planet, but it was this planet. So they took on the whole Norse mythology thing because they were protected by Thor and his people. Yeah. So back at the cave with the Sumerians, they're preparing to fight when Sam and Daniel come back, somehow not running into any of the the Jaffa that are probably very nearby the cave. Um, Also, nobody seems to be irate that they came back alone. Yeah, nobody's like, where's Garwin? Nobody asks where Garwin is. No. (laughs) No. So, um, sadly, they have no weapons. Sorry, Jack, but we did get to meet the real Thor. And Jack's like, that's great. Is he nice? Who cares? Time's up. The Jaffa are here. And they start firing at the cave. So SG-1, you know, run out to sort of take cover behind rocks and start to return fire, followed by some of the other Sumerian men. And the Jaffa yell for SG-1 to surrender. And if SG-1 does surrender, the people will live. If not, they will die. And Tilk's like, yeah, they're going to kill everybody, like women and children, too. And Jack is just like, it's not something Jack can let happen. So they surrender. I mean, you got to think that they probably just would have killed them anyway. I know. I was like, are they really going to leave like, them alone? Like, they're they're not the type of people who'd be like, okay, thanks. Yeah. 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 So SG-1 are being marched to the Gould camp when there is a great thunder-like rumbling in the sky and everyone stops to look up, but like they don't see anything. And eventually there is a large black cloud that appears over the camp and a large spaceship enters the atmosphere. Hey, look, it's Thor's chariot. Yay. And Tilk is like very impressed and like awestruck at this because he's like, it's an Asgard ship. I've only heard about these in Jaffa legend. And apparently if, if Tilk's impressed, I think we should be impressed. Mm-hmm. So then uh, beams of light start coming from the ship accompanied by a very loud screeching noise, which I hate. And I really wish they'd picked a different noise because this is not fun on ears. And you know what, it's the same sound effect they use in Atlantis. Oh, it is the Wraith ships. Mm-hmm. Oh, it is. What? Is, why is that noise a thing? I don't know, but it's very distinctive. It's yeah. a very distinctive noise. <laughs> Thanks, Elliot. <laughs> if any of you out there got that reference, you're welcome. so but basically the beam of light is like it picks up the jaffa it like takes apart the ship and like zaps it somewhere but um unfortunately harrower is able to get away through the stargate because the ghoul always get away unfortunately he was standing right next to it yeah i'm like where were where were you that you were able to get there so quickly but, okay, sure, why not? And uh, Garwin then appears behind them in a flash of light, and she has a message from Thor for them. Uh, Thor basically confirms he is a member of a race of aliens who have visited Earth often. So, yes, the little Roswell Grey aliens are the Asgard. And the Asgard are friend to all and protector of all, except for the Gould. And Jack's like, that's great. Can I meet him, please? And Garwin's like, like us, you're still much too young and like okay we've heard that before yeah good news there's going to be a new hammer and an exception will be made for tilk which how do how is that gonna how does that work i don't know they they don't have tilk's dna or anything i don't know 
apparently the Asgard can do that. So an exception will be made for Tilk. So SG-1 is, you know, welcome back on Samira anytime. And Thor will also leave behind a teacher to help the Sumerians. So is there like an actual little gray alien living on Samaria now? Or like, do they have humans that they're friends with that that human was left behind to help them? Ooh, that's a good question. I don't know. Because if they said they're leaving behind with a teacher, they don't really, that wouldn't be the hologram stuff. No. But according to Thor, they're not really advanced enough to really see the Asgard in their true form. So... Who slash what is the teacher? That's a really good question. I have no idea. <laughs> okay. If you have any theories, let us know. Who's who's the teacher the Asgard left? That'd be good to know. And what it and but you know what though? I did kind of wonder like what is he teaching them? Yeah, like is he just helping them just become a more knowledgeable population in general? Like helping advance their technology? But, like, in an acceptable rate that it would advance as, like, it would on Earth of some kind. I don't know. In that case, why wasn't he there the whole time? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't wonder so much who was going to be teaching them, but what they were going to be learning. Okay. Yeah. Both of those are very good questions that I I would like answers to, but we don't ever get, so. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Thor's chariot then takes off into the sky as we fade to black and have come to the end. It was a very abrupt ending, too, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like, and we're going to have a teacher. Okay, bye. Goodbye. Good. Yay? Yeah. yeah. It was quite abrupt, yes. Also, how close was that spaceship? <sighs> I mean, it's in the atmosphere, and so gold didn't see it. I know. Yeah, like where, so I guess the Gould motherships just weren't there yet. So can Asgard ships travel faster than Gould ships? Or it took out the Gould ships on their, on its way in that were still a ways away. So we didn't see them blow up from space or something because it was date time anyway i don't know so many questions abrupt ending leaving us yes. more leaving yes. us wanting more yes always wanting more yes well done stargate well done. yes more thor yay okay um any memos from this episode <laughs> authorized backup <laughs> always have backup yes always have backup always um Daniel, don't touch things that's a that's a recurring one daniel stop touching things <laughs> although in this case things worked out fine so <laughs> know, but they couldn't have it's just touching things yes uh, uh that's all i got yeah okay uh the title this week thor is shared i think that's pretty straightforward here this week and we already talked about the ballistner so mm-hmm. I don't got really anything else on that. So how would you rate this episode, Rachel? You know what? I mean, yeah, usually there is something that just kind of irks me about the episode that I just kind of think about the whole time. And I'm like, why? But for some reason, even though, yes, there was a gaping hole in the question of like, why didn't they send back up? It wasn't really something that ruined the episode for me. It just kind of left me with, huh, what? It's, mm, yeah. Okay. Yes. So overall, I liked this one. Oh, good. Me too. I mm-hmm. like this one. Yeah. This is definitely, you know, t- 
top half of season two, at least, if not, you know, a little higher up than that. But mm-hmm. we haven't you, seen all of season two yet. So you would categorize it in like the top 60 percent, top <laughs> 75. I mean, the, the, isn't that like the top 50 percent? Top 82 percent, 82.4. It's it's in the 73rd percentile. <laughs> oh, OK, good. All right. Yeah. That's that fair. Okay. That's really fair. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll go with that. Yes. All right. Uh, well, thank you everybody for listening this week. As ever, you can find us on Twitter at SG underscore rewatch or send us an email at woo. That's W O O S G rewatch at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us, please. And we will see you next time for message in a bottle. Bye.